Um, let's pray, huh? Before I start, maybe you'll you'll uh, pray with me, and then maybe somehow I'll have something to say, and and maybe you'll hear something, whether I said it or not, if we pray well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of this day. Uh, thank you for all the opportunity and blessing. You bring us each and every day. Thank you for the gift of life uh, and the opportunity to come to know you, to seek you, to discover you. We thank you for bringing us together here in this community. Let, Let this be a place where we might see you somehow, where we might find you and learn something else about you. Make our hearts grow closer and closer to yours and to one another. We ask you to bless this food that we share. Bless all those who prepare it and serve it. Thank you for their generosity and their great service. Uh, Lord, I ask you to be with me. Be in my heart and my voice. Give me your words and your spirit. Fill us all with your love and your mercy so that we might be more and more like your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Pray for all this through Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, um, speaking of busy, let me tell you about, I'm going to start with last week. Let me tell you about last week. See if I can get my phone open first. Last Saturday, on August 9th, my son... Michael, my oldest son, he's 25, uh, he was married in Chicago. And so we all flew to Chicago. We flew out on Wednesday. We met uh, her family, really, for the first time. I'd met her parents before. But there's all the hoopla of going to a wedding. I don't know, there's a lot of extra hoopla when you're the parents of the people in the wedding. Uh, The wedding is, of course, a great party, great fun, great energy, and uh, on the parent's side, tremendous stress. Uh, because he's our son, he's our firstborn. We don't exactly know his, his uh, bride. We've met her. We don't really know her. They've met out there in Chicago. And we don't know her family at all. And so there's a lot of happy face, smiling, meeting another 50 people, trying to remember names, and paying the bills with a fat credit card. Hope getting fatter and fatter uh, all the time. It was great. It was great. It was wonderful. We, and it was absolutely exhausting. So the wedding's on Saturday. Sunday, I'm flying home. Uh, my wife and I and our uh, other children flying home. And uh, you start thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow, right? We're coming back to work, back to our regular lives. And so Monday... Monday morning, 7.30, I always go to Mass at St. Bridget, and uh, Deacon Mike always preaches, and the two deacons and the two priests, we go out for breakfast after Mass. I call it bagels with the boys. And, <clears throat> and that's what it is, really. We go for bagels, and we talk uh, sometimes about church, sometimes about sports, sometimes about whatever, but it's a kind of an expected uh, meeting so early. Sunday morning, I'm right back at it. It's not my job, but it's, it's my job as deacon. I'm back to work, really, 
having bagels with the boys. That makes me late for my first meeting at the office. I have a client waiting for me when I walk in the door. And then right after that client, there's a homeless man who comes into the office that I've been doing some pro bono work for. My office is right a few blocks away from St. Vincent de Paul. My office is in the center of where people, the homeless people live, and they very often show up. And they all have legal needs, and some of them I can understand, and, and some of them I might actually be able to do something. So this man, Roy, comes back, and he wants my attention, and I give it to him, and I spend a lot of time with Roy. I spend the rest of the afternoon preparing a lawsuit. I'm getting ready to file a what I hope to be a multi-million dollar lawsuit in San Francisco. It's very stressful. I'm not sure it's a case yet. So I'm halfway in between trying to figure out, is this for real? Uh, That evening, 5 o'clock, I'm the chaplain at the homeless dinner at St. Bridget. So I have to shut that down, go to church, hang out with all the homeless, pray with them, talk with them, be present with them. I get home around 7.30 that night, tired, very tired. Tuesday morning, I preach at St. Bridget, so I have to come up with a homily Monday night and have something to say Tuesday morning, and then I go to work. We go to work, we have a meeting with the staff where our secretary, who has been my partner's secretary for 26 years, says that she's thinking about quitting. She's crying. She's very upset. We're in a major crisis in the office. We cannot afford to lose Tina. She's an all-star. She's upset, though. So if she's upset, we're upset, and we're trying to figure out what's going on. Right after that meeting, I'm talking to another lawyer whose um, client I'm suing. She's being prosecuted for homicide, vehicular homicide, a felony, and he and I are trying to work out how we're going to help each other. That night, Tuesday night, is a talk at St. Bridget at 6.30, a whole series of talks that we, I've been giving all summer long, and I have to be one of the speakers. I'm not the main speaker, thankfully, Father Peter is, but I have to be there, set up, make sure it's ready to go, prepare some opening remarks, and be present at this talk. I also tear down from the talk. I get home about 9.30. Wednesday morning, I'm on the phone with a lawyer in Texas. He's the one who is stealing money from the homeless man who showed up in my office on Monday, and I'm trying to figure out how we're going to get this man's money. I spent a lot of time with that before leaving to come back to St. Bridget at 3, because at 4, I lead a group of bereavement ministry, and I have 16 men and women in a circle who are talking about the husbands and wives and sons and daughters and sisters who have died, and they're looking to me for some comfort and guidance. As I've just left the office thinking about all the people I'm suing for causing harm and injury and death to people. And I'm living these, these dual lives. Uh, Thursday morning, I have an early morning breakfast with a good friend of mine, a conference call that includes Carrie and others from the church, which I decide I'm not available. I'm too busy. I'm not going to make this call. And I just phone it in and say, I'm not making it. Enjoy yourselves. I meet with a new client. I think it's a good case. I sign her up. I'm excited about the new case. I have to leave early again from work because I'm going to be the main speaker at the baptism prep class at St. Bridget. My wife is in charge of that. She expects me not to just speak and speak well, but to help her set up. When the other deacon speaks, he's not expected to be part of the setup nor the teardown. But he doesn't live with the person in charge of the baptism prep class. I do. 
So I'm supposed to be there at 5 for a 6 o'clock class. I get there at 5.15. I'm feeling pretty good. I've done a ton of work this day, and I'm showing up to help set up for the baptism prep class. My wife says, you're late. With that look. And I knew that was because she was late, and she was stressed, and therefore I get to receive the stress. That's part of being married for 30 years. I don't say a word. What can I do to help you? I get to work. We're setting up. Uh, 18 people show up, many of them with their babies. They're either parents or godparents going to have their baby baptized. Most of them, 90% of them, really don't want to be there. They don't really go to church. They really want to have their baby baptized. Why? Because grandma is bugging us to get that baby baptized. Now, that's just sort of the true dynamic of most people. They're coming back to church, maybe, because they got to get their baby baptized. So it's a tough audience. They're not exactly thrilled about hearing from the deacon or anything else about anything. Yet, it's my responsibility to figure out how to deliver something exciting, enthusiastic, Hopefully, maybe they'll actually come to Mass on Sunday, right? I do all that. <clears throat> I don't know. Don't know how it goes. And then we got to tear down, clean up. It's our responsibility to clean up the hall, get home about 9.30 Thursday night. Friday morning, I have breakfast with a group of men every Friday morning at 6 a.m. I overslept. No way. She looked like, whoa, no way. No way. The alarm goes off. I do not remember turning it off. I did not wake up. I did not go to the Friday morning breakfast. Uh, uh, I go to work. I go to work. The homeless man shows up because we're still trying to deal with where is his money. I think I have a client, uh, a new client coming in at 8.30. There's nobody there at 8.30. 9 o'clock, there's nobody there. Where is this person? I text the lawyer who's supposed to be bringing her I thought we were meeting at 8.30. He says it's at 10.30. Then I remember it was in Chicago that I entered that into my phone. And the time changed. The time switched when we flew back to San Diego. And so anything that I entered in my phone in Chicago has got the wrong time in San Diego. Does that happen on your phone? Is there a way to not make that happen? There must be a way to... I don't know. Anyway, I completely blew that. I've got the homeless guy in my office. A doctor from Orange County calls me. He and I had made an appointment when I was in Chicago that we were going to talk at 10 o'clock. It's not showing up at 10 o'clock on my phone. I've got a new client who's now coming at 10.30. I've got three things happening at the same time on Friday morning. I decide I'm going to take care of the homeless man. Right? Why? Because he's there. The doctor is not there. He's on the phone. The client is coming later. I'm going to take care of the homeless man. Uh, I do. I sign up a new case again. I take care of the homeless man. I'm supposed to go to OLP that night for suds and sausage or something like that, where my daughter is, is a senior. And I'm supposed to go to team school for Curcio. My head has been hurting since the second I woke up. I've had a headache all day long. I don't ever have headaches all day long. The only time in my life I had a headache all day long, I had spinal meningitis and I had to be in the hospital. I'm worried about the headache. I've taken about 16 Advil. I'm way over the prescribed dose. The headache will not go away. I get home about 7.30. Saturday morning, I have to teach lectors at St. Bridget how to be lectors. 
I have three new electors. One of them is a member of the young adult community. Uh, one of them is about 50 years old. One of them is about 75 years old. And I'm going to teach them about being new lectors. And I started with a passage <clears throat> from Scripture from the letter to the Hebrews that goes something like this. The Word of God is living and effective. Like a, like a two-edged, pen no, piercing, like a two-edged sword, penetrating to the heart, able to slice between marrow and bone, between spirit and soul. And I start with that passage. And we go on for about an hour and a half to try to learn how to be a lector. I go home. It's a Saturday afternoon. I'm exhausted. Uh, my wife says, we need to do a lot of work around the house. The screen door has a hole in it. One screen door is missing. We're going to Home Depot. We're going to make screen doors. I say, I could find a phone number for somebody who will drive his truck over here and make screen doors right now. She says, no, we're going to make screen doors. My daughter says, I need back-to-school supplies. We're going to Target to buy back-to-school supplies. All those things are great and healthy and wholesome, and we spend all day long doing that. Sunday morning, I am teaching the RCIA class. 9 o'clock mass, and then taking care of RCIA until about 11.45 i got to prepare for that. i got to know what I'm going to talk about. i got a lot going down. On Sunday morning, I go to Mass at 9 o'clock. I bring all of that with me. I bring all that with me to Mass, really. I don't have any expectation of what this Mass is going to be like, really. Uh, I haven't even really paid attention to what the readings are. Um, and my prayer, mostly, through all that... No, I'll save that. I go to Mass... Uh, uh, we have the readings. The first lector, remember, I'm responsible for the lectors. The first lector who gets up to proclaim the word is a 77-year-old woman, great lady, long-standing long parishioner, and she has streaks of purple in her hair. She looks like a punk rocker. And, and I'm sitting up on the altar, uh, you know, looking like a deacon with the priest next to me, and I'm thinking, what the hell is with that purple hair? Literally. I mean, what else are you going to think if you're sitting up on the altar and you see that? And so here, this is the way the Mass is going to go now. And she does a fine job with the reading. And, and then it's finally, it's my turn to get up and proclaim the Gospel. And the Gospel is this woman who confronts Jesus, right? This Canaanite woman who comes to Jesus to say, My daughter is sick. Lord, Son of David, help me. My daughter is sick. And he ignores her, and he's even rude to her, it seems like. And he says, you know, it's not right to feed the children's food to the dogs. And she says, Lord, help me. And then she gets down on the ground, and she's on her knees to pay him homage. It says she, he, she pays him homage, which means she's down on the ground on her knees at his feet. And she says... Even the dogs get the scraps from the table, right? Which would be, I'm handing it off the feet. And what happened to me was this reading that I had paid no attention to whatsoever. I'm praying, Lord, help me. And I'm crying as I'm proclaiming the gospel in front of 400 people. And they're looking at me like, what the hell is going on? 
We thought it was the crazy lady with the purple hair, and now it's you. And then I went and sat down. What are you going to do? I don't know. It was like that. And um, so prayer, prayer in the middle of this insane week, which was way too big for me, way too much, way too hard for me. It overwhelmed me. The truth is, the week overwhelmed me. And then Sunday after all of that, I'm thinking, well, Monday, I'm going to work really hard all day long on Monday, and then I've got to go to theology on tap, and I've got to have something to say to those people. And Tuesday morning, tomorrow, I'm on a plane at 6.55. I'm flying to San Francisco. I'm investigating this case that I think I'm about to file. I won't get home until 10.30 tomorrow night. And it goes on and on and on like that. And so my prayer, my, what do you think my prayer was? My prayer, all, you know, whenever I was praying, my main prayer through all of last week, through all of this, is this. That's it. That's it. I'm going to do it again. That's my favorite prayer. It actually is the prayer that we are all praying unconsciously all the time. But when I actually check in with it, it's my most profound prayer. Uh, It's the prayer that's always available, always there, always works, always complete, always pure and holy, and always says the right thing. It's always a moment of breathing in the breath of God, breathing in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Breath, letting that fill me, calm me, comfort me, strengthen me, and then breathing it out to wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, whoever I'm with, whether it's the homeless guy or the doctor or the new client or the grieving widow or the or the young adult who's trying to figure out what, what's going on in my world, or my teenage daughter, or my college son who flew home. Oh, that was another part of the story. He flew home or flew back to the Bronx to go to college on Friday. Um, the breath, breathing the breath of God. Uh, so I, let me, let me uh, that was too long of an introduction to the topic. And it's not, I don't want to, my purpose in that story is not to compare notes on who's busy, right? We do that to each other. You know, how you doing? Oh, I'm so busy, let me tell you. Um, whatever. We're all so busy. And we, and, and, we, and we tend to kind of use that. It's a little bit of a competition sometimes about, you know, let me out-busy you and tell you how busy I am. I, that's not my purpose. My purpose is to be honest about uh, uh, here I am, the deacon. Notice one thing that I did not say about Friday. Friday, Holy Day of Obligation, Feast of the Assumption of Mary. I did not go to Mass. I intended to go to Mass. I thought about the 7.30 Mass. I thought about the 12 o'clock Mass. I thought about the 5.30 Mass. I thought about going to 7 o'clock Mass. I didn't go to any Mass. I worked. I worked hard all that day long. And every time I thought, oh yeah, I missed that one. I'll go to the next one. 
then something else came along. So, okay, I didn't go to Mass on a holy day of obligation, but I breathed, and I breathed hard, and I breathed often throughout the day, and uh, I did the best I could do, right? Um, so uh, let, me, let me use that kind of as an introduction. I want to I engage you in the conversation with me, if you will. And let me ask you a couple of questions. This is, these questions are not intended to have any right or wrong answer, but really just to kind of get us to think about this topic of prayer. Uh, prayer in a busy life. Prayer in the fast lane. Uh, so maybe you'll just play along with me. So let's start real general. What is prayer? What is prayer? Yes. Communication between us and God. Yes, communication between us and God. What else? What what other what else comes to mind? What is prayer? Yes. A lifeline. Okay? Good. Why? Say more about that. Yeah, it's, he says it keeps us in relation, in relationship with God, and I like your your image. He said it's like being out in the ocean, keeping your hands up in the water, waiting for the lifeguard to come rescue you. Yeah, Lord, help me. <laughs> That's exactly I got that. I've I felt that. That's it is very much that at times. What else? What is prayer? Any other thought about that? Anybody had an experience of prayer ever? Has anybody ever prayed? <laughs> what is prayer? Something from the heart. Great. Great. What else? Any, yes. Therapy for the soul. Great. Yes. You can pray if you really need something. You can pray if you want to give thanks. That's right. There are different ways to pray. It's communication. That goes back to the first answer. It's communication with God, right? It's communication with God. Um, How do you know? How do you know when you're praying? Yes. Will you feel at peace? So you know you're praying when you feel certain way or maybe you know you're praying well when you feel a certain way right let's ask that question how do you know when you're praying or how do you know when you're praying well yes you might receive a sign that your prayer has been answered yes so maybe I thank you for that so rather than the feeling of it if you're being faithful to the discipline that you've chosen, to the prayer, the prayer the pattern that you've chosen, is that right? That's a little different, isn't it? Yes. Your thoughts are directed to God. So you know you're praying if your thoughts are directed to God. Okay? What else? It's a great question because there's no right or wrong answer. How do you know if you're praying or if you're praying well? Yes. I think there's like no... 
There is no right or wrong way of praying, no perfect way. I agree with that, totally, absolutely. So how do you know if you're actually doing it then? You're always doing it. Is that true? Yeah. Is that true in your life that you're always praying? God is always present. Are you always present? That's, that's uh, you don't have to answer that. Yes, <laughs> Janine. Thank you for that. Some, that's very honest. She was saying, sometimes I don't exactly know if this is working or if, I'm, if this is right. Sometimes I don't feel. Sometimes it doesn't seem like God's listening or that my prayers are being answered. And I don't really know what that's about. And it's just kind of a trust. You just kind of have, have a trust. Sometimes I'm not, I'm not sure what this is all about. Yeah, that's very true, right? That's, that, that's just very honest. What else? Anybody else have something you wanted to say? Yes, thank you. you're acknowledging God in your life. So that's prayer. When you acknowledge God in your life, yes. Yeah, because he's there. And the question is whether we wake up to that, check in with that. Yes, thank you for that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sometimes you look, it's only in hindsight you look back and you see the answer. Yeah, and you can see that maybe the answer came differently or not exactly what you expected. Yeah, very much so. So um, some of the answers are about feelings. And some of the answers intentionally avoided feelings. Um, and so that's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? Sometimes... Um, uh, sometimes I'm going to guess that you've had the feeling of just knowing in prayer, oh yeah, this is it. This is, this is the real deal. I'm, you just feel like I'm all present to this. I, I, that's the reason I told that story about me, me proclaiming the gospel on Sunday morning. I, it, it was unexpected for me. It was uh, What happened to me in that moment was I just totally got into the I got into the skin of that woman who was in front of Jesus and I felt how she felt and it just made me cry I couldn't resist it and um, and what I've learned to be true about me that the way I describe it is when I touch the really real I cry and um, and I had to kind of figure that out because sometimes I I mean, I'm a trial lawyer. Trial lawyers are not known to be, you know, um, big criers and softies. Um, but sometimes I just cry and I can't resist it. It's just there. And it just, and I've decided that when I touch the really real, there's nothing left for me to do but cry. And so that happened to me with that reading. And, and there it was. 
And, um, and so I knew that I was present and that I was being grabbed. And I had a feeling that, that I receive as a great gift. Does that mean that the Sunday before when I proclaimed the gospel and I did not cry, that it was less? That it was not as good? That I was not as present? I didn't have any feeling from that. I just read it. I think I read it well. Does that mean that it wasn't as good or it wasn't as important or it wasn't as prayerful? Is the feeling the measure of the prayer? Not at all. Not at all. It just didn't, it just, I just didn't get the feeling. The feeling cannot be the measure of the prayer. It cannot be. Because the feelings are so fickle and unpredictable and so dependent on kind of, you know, how I feel in the moment, right? So kind of wishy-washy. The feeling is not the measure of the prayer. The measure of the prayer is whether I'm in relationship, right? The measure of the prayer is, am I in relationship? Many people wanted to say correctly that God is always in relationship, always there. The question is always, am I there? Am I in relationship? Let me relate that to my 30-year marriage. <clears throat> and, and your own experience in, uh, in loving relationships. right? I, I, I am kind of on a crusade for the idea that we know exactly how to pray and how to pray well. I think there's a there's a bad I think there's a bad misperception and sort of a a lie that's too strong a word but there's a there's a lie that's being sold to ourselves by ourselves that we don't know how to pray that's just absolutely not true we know exactly how to be in a loving relationship with another person especially another person that loves us we know exactly what's necessary to be in a loving relationship. We know that if we want a, a relationship to grow, we're going to have to communicate with each other regularly, frequently, and openly and honestly. I know that I, when I started dating my wife, I knew that I'm going to have to reveal some things about myself to her. I'm going to have to give my time to her. I'm going to have to be present to her. I'm going to have to listen to her. I'm going to have to care about what she cares about. And I'm going to have to kind of suppress some of the things maybe that I care about and be more interested in what she cares about. And then that develops over time, right? I also know that sometimes that's going to feel really, really wonderful for me and for her. And sometimes it's going to feel really hard and sometimes I'm just going to stick with it even though it's hard because I've decided that this relationship is worth it for me and and like Kevin said I'm just doing this because I'm doing this because I've chosen that this is what I'm doing and I believe that in the long run it's worth it in the end and so that that might turn out to be a 30-year relationship not because it was great every day rather because many days it was awful and we stuck in it. 
right? The relationship lasts 30 years, not because it's all flowers and rainbows and sunshine every day, but because it's damn hard many of the days, and we still said, I love you, and I'm here, and I will power through this thing, even though the feeling is hard. I'm still here. That has to be our relationship with God. Even though it doesn't feel good today, I'm still here. I'm seeking you. I love you. I'm open to you. I'm present. I need you. Maybe tomorrow it will feel extraordinarily wonderful. Maybe tomorrow it will feel ecstatic. Right? Maybe tomorrow, uh, like, in a, in a, in a, like in a marriage, maybe tomorrow it will feel physical and sexual and desire and erotic because God loves me in that way. I know God loves me in that way because He created that kind of love. And the love that I share in that way with my wife is a reflection of the love that God wants to have with me. Now, it's not erotic every day in a 30-year marriage. I'll just tell you that. I burst your bubble. I know you're expecting that. I don't know how many days. Not... It's not every day. Not, and it's not, every that, it's not going to be every day that way in our loving relationship with God either. It can't be. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a five-course banquet every day in our lives either. Sometimes it's a cheeseburger in the drive-thru, but it's a meal and we keep going. And sometimes it's a banquet and, it, and the meal could go on for hours. And sometimes it's just a, a, a quick taco. I got to go, right? Yes. That's right. And so when it's hard, sometimes we wonder, is he there? Is he listening? Are we in relationship at all? But we have to hang on to the truth that we know. The answer is yes. We are in relationship, and, and I'm committed to the idea that I'm going to stay in this thing forever. It's like a marriage, right? The Old Testament is full of all of these prophets talking about Israel being married to God and the example of marriage. It's like a marriage that decides I'm going to power through this even when it's hard. So, so in, in a busy, hectic, crazy life, um, I still married. And I still need to be in relationship with my wife. And sometimes that's going to be on kind of a, on kind of a drive-by. And, you know, how is your day? Great, I'm tired, I'm going to bed. Boom, done. But, but we know because we've been together long enough, we know that we're okay. And we know that if we can share everything with each other and we know that we're in relationship, even though it might not be a full 10-course meal like, like I've been praying the rosary all day or something. It might be, how you doing? And that says as much as a, as a full rosary. What else do I have to say? That's it. So I deliver that prayer. Not, that's not a joke. That is, that is truthfully has become my deepest, richest, most profound prayer. Is to just breathe in the breath of God. It's available to me all day long. And it doesn't require me to come up with any magic words. Or to say something profound or to even understand what it is I need in this moment, or, or it doesn't require anything of me other than to, 
pause for a moment in my life and be present. And the, and, and the way I've created a symbol, I think, for myself of an acknowledgement of my presence is to breathe in and breathe out. And there's great theology in that, actually, because if you don't breathe in, you'll die. And if you don't breathe out, you'll die. So we have to always receive from God and we have to always deliver everything we receive. So it's actually a very profound prayer, the prayer of breathing. Remember that at the creation, uh, uh, in, in the second creation story, God took the clay, he formed Adam, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And then at, after Easter, Jesus arrives in the upper room, and he says to them, my peace be with you, my peace I leave to you, and he breathed on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. That word spirit means breath. Breath. When we, uh, right, the act of breathing is called respiration, respiriting. We, the inspiration is breathing in. Expiration is breathing out. Respiration, respiration is the act of breathing. It's all based on the word spirit. So what if we could breathe in that breath of God when he says receive my Holy Spirit and he breathes on you and then breathe it in. Um, uh, I prayed that way all throughout the day. Paul says pray unceasingly, right? He's not talking about praying Hail Marys all day long. We can't. We've got too many other things to do. But you could check in all day long with a conscious breath and be present. One other prayer that f- works like that for me, uh, uh, I, uh, I learned from a priest who taught a retreat uh, in Coronado many years ago. Father David Knight is the priest. He's from Tennessee or something, I think. And um, he calls it the wit prayer, W-I-T. That's not a wheat beer. That's a, it's, he says... Um, Uh, Keep your wits about you. That's the way to remember this prayer. Keep your wits about you. W-I-T. And that's with me, in me, and through me. So that totally comes out of the Mass, right? And uh, uh, so, for instance, when I arrived today here, and I wasn't quite sure, you know, kind of that little bit of, okay, here we go. How's this going to go? As I was walking to the front door, I said, Jesus... Do this with me, in me, and through me. And that's it. I, I don't have any more words for that. I don't, I, you know, he didn't say, got your back, bro. I mean, I, but, but I said, Jesus, do this with me, in me, and through me. It's just a moment. It took no longer than that. And it just was a way for me to say, you know, be with me. I know you're here. I need you to be here. It's just... It's really for me. It's not for him. It's for me to say, yeah, you're with me, in me, through me. Let's go. Let's do this. Um, What if there's a phone call? I'm not sure about this phone call. Jesus, answer this phone with me, in me, and through me. Make this call with me. I'm about to visit this friend. I think she's a little bit upset with me. Jesus, talk to her with me, in me, and through me. Um, We're going to go to a party. I think it's going to be great fun. I sure hope I don't drink too much. Do this with me, in me, and through me. I sure hope I do drink too much. 
Uh, I sure hope I don't feel terrible tomorrow. Lord, go to this party with me, in me, and through me. Uh, Father, Father Knight says, if you just do that ten times a day, he, he says, I'll guarantee it will change your life. If you would pray that prayer ten times a day. Do this with me, in me, through me. He does it if, when he goes to open a doorknob. Open this door with me, in me, through me. Because I don't know really what's on the other side. And so, I, you, the truth is, Jesus is going with us anyway. Whether we're going to be the holiest holy, or whether we're going into the darkest sin, he, we're bringing him with us, always. He's always coming. Wherever you're going, we're always taking him with you. So, maybe just a second to acknowledge that. And let that be a prayer throughout the day that that carries us through. It's a way to kind of pray unceasingly. Uh, Where are we here? Yeah. Um, None of that is to dismiss the prayers of the church. You know, so I've kind of said a few things about Hail Marys and rosaries and all that. Um, I also have a couple little strategies that that are more um, reminders than actual. So in my left pocket, always, is my rosary. Sometimes I pray it. That's the truth. Sometimes I really get on board with the rosary and I pray the rosary a lot. And, and it's there. And, I, and it's easy and it's always there. Um, even on the days that I don't pray it, if I happen to feel my pocket or put my hand in my pocket, it's there. And that alone is, oh yeah, there it is. And I might breathe or I might say, yeah, do this with me. Or it's just a it's it's a just a it's a it's a gimmick really, it's a way to check in. It's a reminder. It's a tool. Um, uh, in my right pocket, I have two little crosses. One was given to me by my wife. Has a little heart on it. Uh, it's very sweet. And the other I was I received at a Curcio retreat weekend. I used to wear it around my neck, and then the rope broke, and so I put it in my pocket. I don't like things in my pocket. That's why this works for me. I don't like to carry my keys in my pocket. I don't carry coins in my pocket. I'm always emptying my pockets. And then I decided because of that, I'm going to put these things in my pocket. They make noise. They poke me. They, they remind me. They get my attention. They jingle when I walk. And when they jingle, it's like it's, it's these two crosses that are clanging together. And it's Jesus saying, Woohoo, I'm here. Hello. Right, he's making this noise. Hello, I'm with you, and and then I hear it, and it reminds me, and that's silly, kind of trivial, kind of gimmicky, and it works for me, uh, and it's just a way, you know, it's 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 a way to hear to hear Jesus calling out, right, and then I can say, oh yeah, thank you, I know you're there. Um, so that's kind of my strategy. I, I want to kind of demystify the whole thing about praying all the time. If we could check in throughout the day, throughout the day, throughout the day, throughout the day, breathing or do this with me, in me, through me, or hear a little noise and say, yes, yeah, thank you, you're right. Maybe that noise shows up at a moment where you say, 
Yeah, thank you. You're right. I probably shouldn't do that. And then go the other way. Um, if we could just do that on a regular basis, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a presence. It's a reminder. It's a I'm with you and you're with me. So let me, let me stop with that. Those are not profound um, insights, really, but really sort of very practical and honest. Uh, that's why I, I want to kind of just say, you know what? You could, you could be the deacon. You could be the bishop and, and be struggling to figure out how do I get a, how, how am I going to pray today? And, um, and just take a deep breath and say, well, okay, we're going forward. Uh, that's, that's, that's all I got. I got to go. Let's go do it. Um, and so don't get down on yourself. But find some way to do something that for you is real and is about being in relationship with your lover. Because if your relationship with your lover is, I, go, I, I, I sit with you for sun, on Sunday for an hour, and that's it, then that relationship is going to fall apart, right? That, that person's not going to be married to you for very long if you only talk to each other for, for an hour on a Sunday. That's not a relationship, actually. That's sort of, I'm, I'm just kind of using you to make me feel good for a while, and then I'm out on my own, and I'll come back when I'm ready for you again. Well, that's a lousy relationship, right? You would never continue dating that person. Never. You know, maybe for a while, and then you say, this sucks. You, you come around whenever you're bored, and whenever you think you need to feel better about yourself for an hour, and then you come and use me for that. Well, that relationship's not going to work very well. So we know that. We, we know that. So find something every day, throughout the day, How will I check in with you today?